Coach Harbaugh names a starting QB for the season opener against Notre Dame. The players select their captains, and the injury bug hits early for the Wolverines. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans. I hope you're excited for another season of Michigan football. I know I am. Again, I'm Adam Amble. This will be our first podcast of the season, so welcome. I hope you enjoy it. Just a little background on what's going to happen here. Initially, I have to put these on my Facebook profile as uh, wasn't able to get enough published last year, so this season hopefully we can get them up into iTunes and YouTube and all that good stuff. Hopefully you guys show enough interest that we can we can actually do that. So hang in there, uh, keep listening, keep giving, leaving comments and likes if you enjoy the program. If not, uh, you can definitely tell me anything you want. Uh, give me some suggestions. Uh, Let me know if I stink. Let me know if you don't agree with anything. That's really what the show is going to be about. Please leave any comments or opinions that you want. Initially, for this first episode, uh, just leave them on my profile wall on Facebook uh, right under this this uploaded MP3. Then we can have some real discussions and stuff like that. That's really what it's all about is you guys interacting with uh, myself and some of the guests I will have on the show it's going to be a good time. So we're going to have about one episode per week regarding basically the the game that was played that week. We'll review the game. We'll review the upcoming games. And then normally we'll do like a little side piece story of, of, of something that's going on with either one of the players or the team or something to do with U of M. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we can discuss and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to your guys's input. So without further ado, let's get started with the M factor. As I mentioned in the intro, Mr. Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh, has named his starting quarterback for the first time early in the season or before the first game uh, for the first time in his career at Michigan. This will be his fourth year. Uh, he's never really named a, a starting QB before the minutes before the first game, really. And that man is none other than Shea Patterson. I know pretty much everyone, you know, 99% of everyone that I know pretty much picked that it was going to be Shea Patterson regardless of, you know, Brandon Peters. They said a lot. Uh, McCaffrey was looking good in practice. I did attend the Sunday practice, and I was able to review really looking at the quarterback situation because, honestly, that's one of the most important things uh, besides the offensive line this year. Obviously, our defense is pretty much set, so no worries there in my mind anyway. But uh, looking at Shea Patterson, let's go over some of the pros and cons of Shea Patterson regarding, first and foremost, the hype. What is the hype all about? Well, it seemed, and I'm not going to lie to you, I drank the Kool-Aid. I was all about Shea Patterson. I was ecstatic when he stated that he was going to transfer. I was rooting for him when the NCAA was not going to allow him to play, and then they ended up uh, not making him sit out a season. I think that was the right decision uh, based on the the factors in play down at Old Miss regarding his old head coach and the uh, sanctions that were put on the university there. So I really agree with uh, the NCAA, NCAA's decision. Uh, well done. It's it's very rare that I can say that. Uh, I'm sure most of you agree, but uh, the hype surrounding him. Uh, I, again, I was I was all about him. Uh, based on the the his overall stats, they look pretty impressive, especially in the year 2017, the season of 2017 for him. 2016, not so much. Uh, he completed 72 of 132 passes. You know, and, and that was only in three games. Uh, not 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 a great completion percentage. I mean, still 50% uh, for 880 yards, 
six touchdowns to three interceptions. Now that is a stat that sticks out. Six touchdowns to three interceptions. I know he was a freshman, but he was a five-star quarterback. So you kind of got to step up. Uh, Again, this was in the SEC. I understand. I'm not going to jump on the SEC bandwagon, as I'm sure most of you fans out there aren't going to either. You're probably sick of hearing Feinbaum and all this BS about the SEC and how great it is. So that being said, jump to 2017, 166 out of 260, increases completion percentage drastically, almost by 10 points, 63.8%. He was throwing 2,259 yards. 17 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Again, my problem with that is, you know, you're throwing almost 50% interceptions to touchdowns, or just over, actually, in 2017. Not a big deal, 151 passer rating. Not terrible, right? But let's really dive into the season. This is where it gets a little dicey for me. A lot of people, you know, ESPN, MLive, MGoBlue, a lot of these websites and news outlets will report on just his overall stats, right? His overall stats are great. You know, look at this phenom. You know, he's fantastic. And again, that's all I was looking at until I really dug in deeper and looked at some of his games. So his first game back in 20, excuse me, back in 2017, first game, South Alabama. They ended up winning, but that was where he threw for 429 yards, 28 of 35, 429 yards, four TDs to zero interceptions. Great game, 220.7 passer rating. Awesome, that's great. But South Alabama, folks, South Alabama, that's not a real powerhouse. Let's move on to the next game. Another great game against the dreaded Tennessee Martin. Uh, does anyone even know where that is? I'm just asking. Because you're a smarter man than I. I definitely have to Google that one to see exactly where. I, I'm I'm not an idiot. I'm sure it's in Tennessee. But give me, give me where that university is. If it even is a university. I'm sure they're 1AA or FCS. They did win that game. He went 32 of 43. Great passing percentage. Or completion percentage, pardon me. For 489 yards. He actually set a school record that game. Five touchdowns to one interception. Awesome. 203 passer rating. Fantastic. Love it. Great. Everything's looking awesome. Then let's get into the meat of the schedule. Hits kind of a rough patch. At California, again, California, Cal, not the greatest of squads in in 2017. Um, Definitely better than South Alabama and Tennessee Martin, I'll tell you that much. That game, 59% completion percentage, 363 yards, two touchdowns to three interceptions. More interceptions than TDs aren't going to cut it. I do agree with the aggressiveness of a quarterback. Uh, I I think that's something we've been lacking the last couple years. Uh, Besides Jake Rudock, I thought Jake Rudock was great. We'll get more into him a little later in this segment. But following California, which was a loss, by the way, which I mentioned, at Alabama, 14 of 29, 165 yards, zero TDs, two interceptions, rating of 82.3%. I understand that Alabama is probably the best team in the last 15 years, if not the last 20, 25 years. Totally agree. 100% understand. But these are teams that you're going to have to play. The Big Ten is no slouch. Look at who's the defenses he's going to have to play in the East, along with adding, let's throw in Wisconsin from the West. So great. We got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State obviously always has a great defense, as much as that pains me to say. You got these teams that they're comparable to, to Alabama. I mean, I don't think they're as good, but... Definitely, they're no they're no slouch. They're no Tennessee Martin. I'll tell you that much. So then he goes on to play Auburn. Again, all these last three games, all losses. He goes on to play at Auburn. A little better game, 346 yards, two TDs, zero interceptions. Way to pick it up. 
again, that was kind of a, at that point in the season, Auburn was kind of struggling a little bit. And it went on to Vanderbilt, wins that game, 351 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Awesome. It looks like he's turning around for his for his uh, sophomore season. Well, then that goes by the wayside at Louisiana State at home. Louisiana State, folks, 10 of 23, 116 yards, zero TDs, three interceptions. What's going on? I have no idea. We'd have to look up the game film on that because that's those are not good stats, folks, against actual decent opponents. That's what kind of worried me when I started to look at these stats. So before you drink the Kool-Aid, let's, you know, let's take a good look. Now, of course, that's all that all sounds negative, right? Well, let's go over some of the positive things I saw from Shea Patterson. One, uh, I'm sure most of you agree is his athleticism. You see him in a lot of the highlights on YouTube. Go look him up. They're fantastic. He is able to escape uh, pressure. He actually throws very well in the pocket. I really, I've seen him throw on multiple occasions. His release, his form, it's a very quick release, excellent follow through, and he throws a really good ball. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen a quarterback actually throw a nice tight spiral. Far from the cry of the the John Navarre wounded duck, which was just pathetic. Uh, even though Navarre did lead us to to a Rose Bowl, so I can't knock him for that. Regardless, uh, Shea Shea's form. His ability to exit the pocket when it collapses, I think that's great, especially with a basically a, a questionable offensive line. I really hope they improve this year. We'll get into that a little bit later. But for Shea Patterson, X factor that I see with Shea is his accuracy. I preach this and preach this all the time to, you know, when, when I'm sitting around with buddies. When I look at Michigan quarterbacks throughout history, uh, in my lifetime anyway, the first one I remember was Elvis Gerback. Elvis Gerback, great, great quarterback, even though that was in the, the day and age when really throwing wasn't that that huge as it is in today's game now. You know, they ran the ball a lot, and why wouldn't you when you had certain running backs like Whitley and stuff, Wheatley and stuff like that. Then we uh, transferred over to Collins. Uh, Collins, again, didn't really have that X factor of, of accuracy. He didn't have the accuracy X factor. And then we went to, you know, we went through a spell of Dreisbach and Greasy. Those guys, Greasy had some decent accuracy. The thing I like about Greasy was the fact that he never made the mistake, the critical mistake. His INTs were, his touchdown to INT ratio was fantastic. And that kind of worries me about Shea based on his, you know, his TD to INT ratio. That That's kind of a concern I have with, with Shea. So as we move on through Drew Henson, Tom Brady. Now, Drew Henson, in my mind, he is my favorite, all-time favorite Michigan quarterback. Uh, I know I'm probably going to get knocked for that, but Drew Henson, I just remember going to one game. It was against Indiana, and I look up at the, the completion percentage or his, his stats up on the scoreboard, 20 of 22 at halftime. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Two incomplete passes in a whole half. That was something about Drew Henson that he was severely underrated. He was very accurate. He had that X factor that you really can't teach, the accuracy. You look at some of these guys in the past, Navarre, terrible accuracy. Even Henny with his just a cannon for an arm, not the greatest at accuracy. Uh, even though I love Chad Henny too, he's probably my second favorite quarterback of, of all time for, for the maize and blue. And then we get into, I don't even want to get into Denard and Tate and even though I love Tate Forcier, he did uh, win us one of the best games against Notre Dame back in the day. That was that was just fantastic. I remember the the old Notre Dame game where they were, he was a freshman and they were preaching Heisman after that game. It was it was fantastic. I actually went out and bought a nice little number five authentic jersey, which uh, some of you might find rather hilarious. I retired that a few years ago when they 
ended up switching from Adidas to Jumpman, which was a, a great decision. But nonetheless, we jumped to Rudock. Now, Rudock, I thought, oh, I also forgot about the dreaded Stephen Three and Sheridan and those guys and Gardner. Let's, I, I prefer to try to block that out. I, I do love Denard Robinson, don't get me wrong. Great Michigan guy, even though he's not from Michigan, from Florida. But really, really enjoyed watching him play. And he also destroyed Notre Dame on occasion as well. I remember he had 500 total yards at Notre Dame, one of our only wins at Notre Dame in the last decade. And that was that was something else. I believe that was 2000, 2010 at Notre Dame. Fantastic. Uh, Notre Dame came back from a 21-7 halftime deficit, and Denard ended up just shredding them as a sophomore. So, And then who could forget the two, 2011 game at the big house, you know, with the lights on. I, I was at the game. I was on the 20-yard line, about 20 rows up, right when uh, right at the winning winning score there uh, when Denard led him 80 yards to go without just a few seconds left. So awesome, awesome history. I was also at the uh, 2013 night game where uh, Gardner actually scored four touchdowns in that game. So, um, again, so, we, you know, I, I can't downplay some of those guys because they did give us a couple huge wins, uh, especially against the Irish. So... But uh, back to Rudock, I really think he was severely underrated at Iowa. They kind of ran him out of town, basically said, yeah, you're not starting next year, even as a as a fifth-year senior. So came to Michigan, did have a rough patch there against Utah right off the bat. You know, Harbaugh's first year through those four INTs and really didn't have the uh, the deep ball working for him. So that was, that was disappointing. Uh, the first couple of games, he just couldn't seem to find his receivers. However, Harbaugh took him under his wing really really developed him and I thought he was he was just a great quarterback I wish we would have had him obviously a couple more years because he really developed uh not only as a passer but as a runner too I was really impressed with his his mobility towards the end of the year and stuff like that and then you know against Florida you know in the bowl game he just totally shredded him so so Rudock definitely had uh, definitely gained the x factor of of that that accuracy that I'm talking about so uh, Rudock Henson Brady kind of had it but back to uh, back to Shea, I after watching him, you can definitely tell he does have that X factor in practice. Again, we don't know how he's going to play in the games. I, I had a buddy say, "Well, you really can't you know predict uh, what what he's going to do because he just he hasn't played in, in a year." Well, thanks Confucius. No shit. Uh, I totally agree. That's why it's called a prediction. You never know how any of these guys are going to play. That's the fun of predictions, right? That's what that's what it is. You don't know. So, so thanks for that one, buddy. So after watching him in practice, watching him on YouTube and stuff like that, you really look, it, it seems that he really hits his wide receivers in stride. That's something that a lot of past Michigan quarterbacks have, have lacked. Again, I think the last true dead nuts, accurate quarterback was Drew Henson. Tom Brady was the same and Tom Brady continued that obviously into the pros. Can't, can't knock him for that. But I will admit I was one of the guys that wanted Drew Henson to start over Tom Brady. So don't don't scorn me for that. So overall, I, I do think that that Shea is definitely the guy for the job, uh, especially after, you know, they named Peters the backup and then McCaffrey. I know Milton's been doing a hell of a job, too, at camp. So the quarterback position, I don't think is going to be a very big concern because I definitely think it can only go up from last year. Last year, you know, I, I was never really sold on on Spate. He had a great season up until he got injured in that Iowa game uh, two years ago, and that was really kind of the the downfall of our season. We never really bounced. He never really bounced back from that. Uh, we barely beat Indiana, as you remember, and then that terrible 
stupid fourth down call against Ohio State. Uh, we could have won that game easily. So we're you know just a couple plays away from from actually being you know two and one against Ohio State. They really only destroyed us one year. So that being said, I, I'm really looking forward to to Shea. I want to see what he can do. I'm very excited about his athleticism. Not so excited about his his. He seems to want to force the ball. But again, I like the aggressiveness. So again, we will see Saturday. He will be facing a decent Notre Dame defense. I don't think they're anything special. They're definitely not Michigan caliber. But I've I have been proven wrong before. So good luck to Shea. Good luck to the offense. And hopefully that offensive line can give them some protection. I know that was the big deal last year, and it's actually been a problem for quite some time now for Michigan. We just haven't had the the beast up front that we used to, you know, back when we, you know, even as long as Lawan was probably our best offensive lineman, uh, probably in the last, you know, figure the last five to eight years, he's the best that I can remember anyway. But yeah, just really excited to see Shea and what exactly he can do with his athleticism and throwing abilities, and he's got a decent wide receiver core that kind of leads me into the next segment of the injury bug and i know the the captains were supposed to be the next segment but this is nice a nice flow into the injury bug that hits with uh, Tariq black again uh, injured his other foot this time uh, just terrible news for for him first and foremost but also for the offense he is touted as being a very good wide receiver. I would love to actually see him play a whole season. I'm sure he would want to play. He wants to play a full season. This is, I just really feel, feel for him because you don't want to be tagged as that guy that happens to get injured every time, especially in the game of football, right? We all know some of those players in the pros that just want to suck up all that cash, but I don't think Tariq Black is one of them. But that does, uh, I don't think that's going to hurt us as much as, as people think. The only reason I say that is because we got uh, our our boy Nico Harris uh, can finally hopefully step up. I really think that he is severely underrated. I'm really excited to see what he can do out there, especially with Shea Patterson throwing him the rock. I think that'll be rather exciting. Give him a shot. Let's not forget we also have Donovan Peoples-Jones, sophomore, and then Grant Perry, who's a senior. Those guys, obviously very explosive. Peoples-Jones had a decent year last year. I don't think he really lived up to my hype anyway. I really thought he was going to be slightly better. I, I wish he would have shown a little more speed. That being said, I really enjoyed him as the punt returner. Decent season, except for the few mistakes he had in that bowl game. So we'll try to forget that. But Nico Collins, again, I guess he bulked up a little bit over, over the summer. So that's great. And he had a very impressive offseason. That's good to hear. So I'm like I said, I'm very excited to, to see what Nico can do. So that was Tariq Black. Again, I don't really think that's a huge blow. I just feel for for Tariq and stuff like that. You know, he's only a sophomore. He was redshirted last year. Obviously, he's not going to get another redshirt, so kind of a wasted year for him. Now, that being said, there is Harbaugh did not put a timetable on his return, so he did not say he was out for the season. So who knows? Tariq might get back out there, you know, in a matter of four or five weeks right when we get into the heart of the Big Ten schedule. But who knows? Maybe Nico already stepped up and will – take that that starting spot. I know you're not supposed to lose a lose a spot to injury, but hey, when push comes to shove, you got to you got to win the games, right? So, uh, hopefully all is well with uh, Tariq and he can get back out there as soon as possible. There was another rumor that Rashawn Gary had a little tweak going on with his shoulder, I believe. He was fully dressed in Sunday's practice. However, he did not participate in any of the 
drills or contact contact drills that that Michigan defense was doing on Sunday. Not a big deal. I know multiple coaches have said that it's 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 nothing really. Uh, he will be he will be starting against Notre Dame. That would probably be that would be a slightly bigger loss. I feel than the Tariq Black, but you know, surprisingly not by a lot. I don't think that I, I just really think that our defensive line is stacked. I think our linebackers are stacked. I really don't see a major major flaw uh, or weakness of our defense. Uh, maybe. You know, I can't even say that experience because you look at um, Canell in the backfield, Win- or pardon me, Canell in the in the DB in the secondary. You got Winovich returning. You got obviously our main man Bush Bush Jr., who uh, was also named captain. So congrats to him as well as Canell. We'll get into that in a little bit. But that that injury probably would have been you know slightly worse just because of Gary's Gary's talent. Not to say that Tariq is any less talented, but obviously different positions. So that one, again, that doesn't worry me. And honestly, I really think that, that you know, hopefully Gary steps up a little more than he did last year. I know that's a lot to say, and people probably will disagree with me. But I really feel that his freshman year, I think he was more of a force to reckon with than he was last year. I don't Obviously, people knew about him last year. People knew about him his freshman year as well, but people knew about him last year. And what happens is obviously you start to draw double, double, triple teams, which allows for some of your teammates to, to get in there. You know, we look at Hudson who, who had a great year on the, you know, with, with tackles for losses and stuff like that. That's what, that's, you know, that's kind of the unforeseen or the, the, the hidden statistic when it comes to a defensive lineman and even an offensive lineman, you, you really, that's not a stat. You know, you don't, they, they don't show the fact that you are drawing double, triple teams and allowing some of your teammates to get in there and actually make the actual statistical tackles and tackles for losses and, and hits and, and knockdowns and sacks and all that stuff that are measurables. So in, in terms of that, uh, Gary had a great year. But in terms of his overall stats, hopefully this year he can pick it up a little bit. You know, get in there and get some more sacks. Uh, we definitely need the, the the pass rush on a lot of these guys. I think they'll be just fine. I have really no worries about the defense. Again, if any of you guys disagree, if you have any sort of uh, opinion on this, uh, feel free to write on the, the Facebook wall. Again, we'll have the M Factor going up here soon. So transfer over to that. Start writing your opinions and stuff just so you don't clog up my my personal wall. Uh, or you can just write me hate mail. That's fine too. Write me some some hate hateful things on there. That's that's no big deal. I'm not gonna get offended. Uh, you don't do this stuff to uh, if you're offended easily. So just let me know what you think. So that being said, let's get to the third segment of the show, which is the players have announced their their votes for the captains. There are four of them: two seniors, two juniors. I agree with all of them. Uh, I I really can't uh, disagree with them because obviously the if 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 it were the coaches. Or the fans picking them, maybe we could disagree. But when you have the actual players on the team vote, I think it's a great system simply because they're with these guys day in and day out. They're, you know, they're roommates, they're friends, they're they're all of that stuff. So they really know they're they're personal with these guys. So uh, with that being said, the captains for this year will be senior safety, Tyree Cannell, which we mentioned earlier, senior running back. Ron Higdon, junior linebacker Devin Bush Jr., and junior offensive lineman Ben Bredesen. Again, all four great picks, all four great 
athletes, great additions to Michigan, or have you know have been great additions to Michigan. Let's start with uh, Tyree Cannell. Great year last year. Started all all thirteen games. Uh, you really can't say enough about him. He it was uh, he was only a junior. Uh, started at safety. And again, just uh, was had a had a great season in that secondary. Uh, you really again, you can't say much about or you can't say enough about the the defense the last couple seasons. If there's one thing that Harbaugh has definitely brought in, it's definitely some some great defenses. And let's let's obviously not forget uh, Don Brown and Greg Madison. Obviously, two great great coaches uh, under Jim Harbaugh. So well done. On those, on that choice, uh, on the defensive side for for Cannell. and then the beast, our our boy Devin Bush Jr., number ten. You guys all know him. Uh, it was it was awesome last year to watch this guy. What a surprise! I'll tell you what. From the the opening game against Florida, I remember one specific play where literally he was in the backfield giving the quarterback some rush, and he was in one shot of the TV. The quarterback threw the ball. And there was Devin Bush, number 10, making the tackle. I honestly thought there were two number 10s on the field. So that was that was when I first learned about Devin Bush. And boy, did he not disappoint the rest of the season. Again, great choice. I know from hearing him uh, in interviews and hearing his teammates talk about him, he's definitely a good guy on and off the field and just a beast on the field, as, as we all know. I don't think anyone would disagree with that choice whatsoever. Hopefully we can keep him another year. I don't see that happening. Uh, Heaven forbid he have a minor injury. I I hope not. Of course, I don't wish that on anyone, but that would be the only thing that I see, the only thing that would keep him from not not going to the pros. So Devin Bush Jr., best of luck at at the, the captain position. From the offensive side, obviously we got the the junior offensive lineman, uh, Bredesen, Ben Bredesen. Nice choice. You know, it, it's it's tough. You, you, you should always have a lineman on there because those guys are the foundation, obviously, of your of your offense. You need them. That you need good, good, solid offensive line. It's, you know, the choice. The choice again. I don't know a lot about Bredesen. Uh, other than the fact that you know that he was he was on a mediocre, if not sub mediocre, uh, sub average offensive line the last couple of years. Hopefully they picked it up. I'm not disappointed in the decision. Obviously I can't be. The players know him a lot better than I do, uh, and so they obviously I will I will trust their their judgment on on Bredesen. Higdon I definitely don't disagree with. Again, great pick. He beefed up. I'm sure a, a lot of you have seen some of the the Twitter photos in the weight room. The guy is just jacked. The guy is cut. Uh, I think he must have gained probably 15 pounds from last season. Hopefully that did not affect his agility or uh, elusiveness or, or quickness. I know a lot of times when these guys beef up, they kind of lose a step in their in their speed or their, their cuts and stuff like that. But I, I hope not. Uh, Higdon is going to be our workhorse. He was our workhorse last year. So him and obviously Evans will get will get the the majority of the touches this year. So look forward to that. Uh, it really, again, all four of these guys, I, I don't really have anything negative to say about these picks. Uh, if you guys disagree, again, let me know on on Facebook or or just um, you know leave me a message. Let me know right on the wall, of course. But I uh, can't wait to see these guys uh, march out there on Saturday to uh, take the coin toss. I uh, really can't wait to see them march out to that that maze M out there at the big house on Saturdays. So good luck to all the all the captains. I think it's a great choice. So 
those are the three main segments that we're going to go over for this first podcast. Uh, the, the last, the final segment will mainly be uh, what I'm going to do is post a question every Friday. It'll basically be the, the Friday question, the weekly question, if you want to call it that. I don't know. Maybe I'll call it the, the TFG, the Friday or the TFQ, the Friday question. Jeez, I can't even spell. Terrible acronym. Apologize for that. So the TFQ, I think that's what we'll call it. I did post something earlier this spring. It was kind of more of a question about John Beeline, uh, the savior of, of the Michigan sports program, if you ask me. The reason uh, I say that is simply because, do you remember the name Rich Rodriguez? Well, I don't really like to bring it up as he led us into the dirt in Michigan football. Again, not all his fault. I think he got kind of got a raw you know, the raw end of the deal when he first came into Michigan. Obviously, he wasn't even close to our first pick. So, you know, kind of got a feel for the guy. But that being said, you know, this was this was a time when Michigan football was dismal and our basketball team had been dismal for, for years. You know what I mean? Ever since the Fab Five, you know, a bunch of sanctions, a bunch of violations just pounded on us from the NCAA. You know, the old tractor trailer and Lewis Bullock uh, fiasco. Um, all that stuff, and then we went through years with just, oh, just, just, just a few decent players. We'll say, you know, Blanchard was decent, but with when Beeline came in, it was turned it. He turned it all around with remember the old Zach Novak and Stu Douglas squad. Those guys single handedly made us excited about Michigan sports again. Uh, going off a couple terrible football seasons, Beeline brought. Michigan sports back to where it needed to be, or at least gave us hope that, you know, gave us something to look forward to. You know, we still look forward to Michigan football, but not in the same excitement and the same pizzazz as, as we used to, you know, late nineties, early nineties. I'm sure a lot of you listening older than that, even, you know, throughout history of Michigan football, once Rich Rod era hit, you know, you kind of, it, it, it sucks. I always, I always, I always kind of compare it or not really compare it, but I always, that was a turning point in my Michigan football fan attitude, if you want to call it that. Before Rich Rod, I'm sure all of you can agree, you remember if Michigan lost a game, it would ruin your whole weekend. Now, maybe that was me just being kiddish or immature or not an adult, but I know some people, some adults right now still that a lot of some family members, some friends that it still ruins. I mean, they'll pout, they'll, 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 it still ruins their weekend. But for me, I remember losing a game was losing a Michigan football game was just terrible. Uh, you know, nowadays after Rich Rod, after Brady Hoke, we kind of got numb a little bit to the losing, I feel. So that is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, now you lose a game, of course, you're going to, you know, for a few hours, it stings a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the weekend, at the end of the night, you used to wake up Sunday morning and you're, you're okay. Now, one thing could be simply because, you know, one loss isn't as tragic as it used to be. I mean, hell, back in the day, if you lose one game, you're not going to a bowl game. Back in the day, it was either Michigan, Ohio State would be playing for the Rose Bowl. If you lost that game, you are not going to a bowl game. And especially back in the day when they only were allowed to televise one game. I mean, now you can catch every single game for, I mean, even a, even a Division II school. I'm sure you could find it on ESPN, on, uh, watch ESPN or ESPN3 or something like that. Now, that's not a plug for ESPN. I think ESPN is garbage. But at the same time, they're, the Rich Rod era really, really got me numb to a loss. You know, we kind of just got kind of, you know, used to it. So when Beeline came in and we made the tournament after, 
a couple years of him being there, I thought that was great. And it's really gotten us really hyped, really excited for, for Michigan basketball again. And now Michigan football obviously is on the turnaround once we got Harbaugh. So Michigan sports is back to where it, where it should be. We still need to get a couple wins, obviously, against our, our rivals there. But I, I really think it's coming. Uh, Harbaugh's fourth year, we can't really you know this this year next year let's let's make it happen really tough schedule this year so that's no excuse still need to win the games right but uh back to back to beeline i posted a question basically asking you know my facebook friends do you think that john beeline deserves to be the highest paid coach at the university of michigan now this obviously a lot of you are already jumping to conclusions oh hell no and a lot of you posted this online hell no simply because you know your football coach brings in the most money michigan's a football school harbaugh brings in the most money i did the the math on what do you what do you think ticket sales alone just for one home game and i'm pretty i'm pretty conservative on this on this on these numbers so we'll, we'll figure 107,000 and a home game you know ticket sales will say at the low end average 55 60 bucks that's almost $7 million just on ticket sales. That's it. No endorsements, no concessions, no TV advertising, no regular advertising, no apparel sales. All that stuff does not include is not included in this. Can you imagine $7 million for one home game? You figure they play, you know, times that by eight. You figure they play eight home games a year. You're talking, you're talking $55 million just, again, just on ticket sales. That has nothing to do with any uh, external uh, external money coming into that to that uh, that program so of course from the economic side of course you should pay Harbaugh deserves to be paid the most in fact uh, most states agree as the major college in every state or in most states if you are a major you know a major college the head coach of the football team is more often than not the highest paid government employee in that state again there are some exceptions to that obviously some of the, the less populous states don't really have major colleges you know you look at the dakotas and actually i'd be i'd be willing to bet the the um was it north dakota state the bisons or whatever I'm, i'd be willing to bet that that is the the head football coach there probably makes uh, more than than any other state employee um I, that'd be that'd be something to look up i'll have to get back to you guys on that or just let me know um on your posts and whatnot we can discuss that next week but uh, so with with Beeline again, the question: Does he deserve to be the highest paid? Economics? No, of course not. What about in terms of how he teaches the kids? Now, is he the best coach at Michigan? I had uh, uh, Phil. I'm sorry, I can't say any last names. Uh, Phil replied back, stating, "Well, no, obviously, uh, Carol Hitchens is, is probably or Hutchins is probably the the best coach at Michigan." <laughs> to which uh, many of my friends uh, definitely laughed a little bit on that. But I don't think it's it's a terribly humorous statement uh, simply because she coaches softball doesn't mean that she is not uh, being a good coach is teaching kids how to win now of course we're not going to go into well what about the field hockey team or the swim team or, or you know the, the the water polo team and stuff like that yeah those could all be great coaches but in terms of being a Michigan a true Michigan you know coach um, Hutchins has been there for forever you know we're talking what what were her what were her stats again yeah, that's right. One national championship, 19 Big Ten championships, and nine Big Ten tournament championships, as well as the endorsement from our, our, our man, Bo Schembechler, who claimed that she was the best coach at Michigan. So uh, it, it's hard to really argue against that. At the same time, it is, and not to 
not to denounce or downplay softball, but it is it is still softball. Um, great athletes, uh, better athletes than me, is 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 the argument continued on on my wall uh, on Facebook. So if you want to, you can go check out that that discussion. It was around the uh, June first timeframe of this year. So just scroll back on my wall, and you can take a look at some really good really good arguments. Another one uh, another one was from my uh, a state fan, actually one of my buddies, uh, Jeff who uh, made a really good comparison stating, you know, regardless of regardless of Beeline is a better coach than than Harbaugh, you, you don't pay your best uh, in, in, in terms that I can understand uh, or relate to. You don't pay your best mechanical engineer more than your VP of operations, even though the VP might suck. Now, that obviously doesn't mean that Harbaugh sucks. I don't agree with that at all. But at the same time, the the comparison is 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 uncanny. That's a very good description of, of what how paying your your coaches really work. Now, I do agree with with Phil on stating he should definitely be the the highest paid in the Big Ten. He probably would be if he if he had a national championship. Unfortunately, he's been to been to two. Thank God, love it. Awesome seasons, fun seasons. Some of the best times I've had uh, down here in Jackson, Michigan, are are you know watching watching the those those two national championship runs. Unfortunately, they fell short both times, but uh, at the same time, just just awesome seasons. Of the tournament. I mean, talk about talk about two great shots in both of those tournaments. Remember the Trey Burke from about geez eight feet behind the three point line against Kansas to go into OT. Oh, I remember we were at a, a local bar down here, the Hunt Club, and it was just packed wall to wall with Michigan fans. I'm sure a lot of you listening right now remember that night. I'm sure uh, we all hung out together that night. And boy, when he hit that shot. Uh, it was like a volcano eruption of of just just cheers and stuff like that, and we hadn't even won the game yet. That was just a going to overtime, but a great win uh, against Kansas that year. Uh, we just kind of rolled into obviously the the game against Louisville, where our boy Spike Albrick had a great game, but unfortunately one guy killed us that game, and then we run into uh, this season. There's pardon me, this past season, and how about the Jordan Poole shot? Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable against Houston there. That was probably even better than the Trey Burke shot, but you know it was just, it was too bad it was really late at night on on St. Patty's Day. But nonetheless, a great shot. And then you know we run into Villanova, and again one guy, the the crazy redheaded Italian, totally just destroys us. Just just goes off. Uh, they you know they they you could tell they were definitely the better team, but I definitely thought we had a little better chance. So. Again, props to Beeline. I, I totally agree that he should be the, the the number one paid coach in the Big Ten. I'm sure a lot of you state fans will disagree because uh, your boy Izzo. But unfortunately, your boy Izzo uh, kind of kind of uh, reverse tides from football to basketball, right? As uh, Michigan State can't seem to to get a win against the old Maize and Blue and on the basketball court, uh, regardless of of how many NBA studs they have. Uh, they just can't seem to put it together. So uh, another comparison that I had with Beeline is, and a lot of a lot of you Michigan fellow Michigan fans probably won't like this, but I kind of compare him to a. Uh, he's kind of like the D'Antonio of, the, of NCAA basketball, simply because he takes these, you know, two three stars, sometimes not, no stars. You know, look what he did with Duncan Robinson, uh, a transfer from pr- pretty much basically a junior college and turned him into sixth man of the year. And he also, I mean, he started many games and hit a lot of big shots for us. But I think Beeline really develops his players very well. Uh, you look at a lot of the players throughout the years, uh, case in point, Wagner this year, uh, even Trey Burke, you know, Trey Burke was highly touted. I mean, he was definitely a, he was definitely up there, you know, being, I believe it was, yeah, he was Mr. Basketball from Ohio. But at the same time, you know that's Ohio. How hard is it? How hard is that? You know, so 
he takes a lot of these players and and makes them play better, kind of like D'Antonio does with his with his football squad. I don't want to give him too much props because I can't stand him, but uh, at the same time, that's you know Beeline really reminds me of someone that can that takes these players uh, that are really he, he refines their talents and plays to their abilities and coaches to their abilities, and I think that's why he's been so successful at, at the University of Michigan. So I wish him well, hopefully many years. I know he just had a surgery over, over the summer here. He was unable to make the trip to Spain, so hopefully he's got a speedy recovery going on, and um, and much love for uh, for Beeline out there. So can't wait for next season. But again, this is this is football season, folks. So uh, back to back to the football grind. Let's get to the 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 task at hand and the Michigan Notre Dame game this Saturday, seven thirty, in South Bend. Sadly, because that means we get to listen to the dumbest of all broadcasts. NBC, awesome. I see NBC still owns the rights for Notre Dame, so we get to listen to nothing but pro Notre Dame announcing all game long. That's all we ever get to hear. So can't wait. I sure wish it was. Uh, I can't wait till they lose that contract so we can get some non-biased um, announcing for, for some of these these Notre Dame games, especially now that the, uh, the rivalry is back up and going and they're scheduling each other. That being said, uh, South Bend, tough place to play. Uh, I, you know, and I'm sick of hearing about this stupid touchdown Jesus. You know, this isn't Rudy. This isn't back when the stadium was, what, four four rows high and you could actually see touchdown Jesus from the actual field. Let's face it, folks, you can't see him anymore if you're down on the field. So that's kind of, I, I can't stand the touchdown Jesus is watching. Yeah, he's watching the outside of your stupid stadium, which is a, basically a copy of, of the big house. So I see your design couldn't even think of something on their own. So they had to copy U of M. Awesome. Good job, Notre Dame. That being said, how about some predictions? My personal feeling, I'm going to go with a 28 to 10. Maybe uh, maybe I'll refine that to about 24 to 10 win for Michigan. I really, really think that Notre Dame's offense is not good. Um, I didn't think they were that good last season. They didn't really wow me in recruiting. They didn't wow me in, uh, in, in you know, any sort of any sort of announcements out of out of camp. I've seen some of their their practices, some of their highlights online here. Nothing really stands out for the the Irish on offense. Their defense, of course, is solid again. I I really don't think I'm looking for I'm looking for Shea Patterson to have a big game. Shea Patterson and Higdon. I think those guys. I think our offensive line hopefully is is has improved drastically from last season. I really think they 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 will simply because of our coaching staff and the fact that you know their their condition their strength and conditioning coach is is one of the best in the country. And I really think the coaching staff there has really put a lot of emphasis on the offensive line this year or this uh, off season. So I'm really looking forward to that and seeing how how well they've improved. But uh, that being said, you know uh, Notre Dame's defense is is solid, so that could be the the turning point of the game or the, the the main factor of the game. My key factors are one: how does Shea Patterson play? Is he going to force it? Is he going to be running for his life? Now that may, may not be a bad thing. I don't know yet. Uh, simply because he is a scrambler, he he can use his legs. He's a decent runner, and he can throw on the run, throw accurately on the run, which is fantastic. Do I see? You know, Notre Dame scoring a lot of points? Absolutely not. Again, I think our defense is just is, is hands down will be top five all season in most categories. I think you'd be uh, retarded to to think otherwise. Just too much, too much firepower coming back, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the younger guys able to look up to to these guys like like Bush and and Cannell and and 
Winovich and all those guys, Hudson. I think those guys, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna destroy some people. So that'll be a, that'll be really fun to watch. So again, probably twenty four to ten. That's my that's my pick for or prediction for the the game on Saturday. So. That being said, we're going to wrap it up. We will try to keep uh, each episode roughly 40 to 45 minutes, as that is all I have time for and got to get to uh, to other things. So go blue. Cheer on the maize and blue. If you're heading down to South Bend this weekend, uh, have a safe trip. Uh, we want to hear you on TV to drown out those stupid NBC announcers and the the annoyance of, of the, the leprechauns and the, the fighting Irish marching band. Let's uh, let's get a win. Let's get uh, number one on the season, and it'll be a big one. I think they win this. Uh, this will be definitely catapult them through the season, and hopefully we can beat some of our uh, our other more fierce rivals. So have a great week, guys. Go blue, and we'll see you next week. Uh-huh.